I'm Anna. I'm Riley. This is Ill-Advised Stories. Written by my dad. <laughs> my dad too! <laughs> we have our allowance now. St. Larry's Day. Larry the Leprechaun was sick of St. Patrick's Day. This one was the worst of all. See, he'd almost been gone, headed home to Ireland. But just as he was on his way, or on his way to be on his way, he was trapped. He looked out the slats of his cage at the little girl who caught him. You're real! I knew it! I knew it! She squealed. Larry held his finger to his lips. Shush now, child! Stop your yelling! He dropped the wedding ring that she had used to trick him. He was looking at the netting he'd fallen through, and the cage that surrounded him. There were iron weights on the ground that he had to be careful not to touch. What is this infernal thing? It's a leprechaun trap, the girl said. Then she added, Actually, it's one of my dad's old lobster traps. Still, it works pretty good for trapping you. Isn't that lovely? He had his hand on the net and was pulling himself up. I ought to have me eyes removed for not seeing your game. I hate this day. You hate St. Patrick's Day? Larry's foot got caught in the netting and he slipped. He fell back and his shoulder grazed one of the weights. The metal burned. Ouch! He yelled while struggling to get his foot loose. He didn't bother getting up. No, I can't say that to my fan. He gave the girl a withering look. Larry thought back and remembered meeting St. Patrick. It had been 1,500 years ago, which is a long time even for a leprechaun. But the man left an impression. He was quite a speaker, and while he wasn't afraid of a good time, he would never approve of the celebrations held in his name. He was a saint, after all, pious and whatnot. Of course, the amount of drinking on St. Patrick's Day wasn't the part that bothered Larry. He'd never fault anyone for having a good time. If silly adults wanted to act like children, it just made it easier for him to play tricks on them. Larry, like most leprechauns, enjoyed nothing more than a good joke, as long as it wasn't on him. Lately, he was having fun with technology. He liked to play with people's GPS, sending them the longest way possible over roads they'd known for years. He'd see how many wrong turns he could get them to take before they'd shut their device off. He'd pulled off some power outages, too, usually on days when kids were home. It was fun to see the frustration on parents' faces. What was even more enjoyable was seeing how the kids would entertain themselves. Children could be inventive if given a chance. Larry was in awe of them, but he didn't like them very much. He looked at the little girl, her hair tied back in green braids. She was smiling at him sweetly. He decided right then that if she tried to pick him up, he would bite her finger off. What do you want from me? You caught me, and like everyone else, you're going to demand something. Hiding from children was a problem many magical creatures had. Their open minds often saw things adults couldn't. Lately, American kids had taken to building leprechaun traps. Most of them were dumb and incredibly silly things. The traps, not the children. But occasionally, one child, smarter than the others, would come up with something suitable for catching a fairy like Larry. A cage made of popsicle sticks wouldn't do the trick, but a carefully balanced iron pot, ready to fall on a poor leprechaun's head, would do well, if it didn't crush his skull flat. The girl started to say, Well, my name is Fiona. I don't care, Larry interrupted. What? I don't care what your name is. Just tell me what you want. Fiona took a moment, surprised by how rude the little man was. Larry rolled his hand impatiently, waiting for her to answer. I suppose I want your gold, she said. Ha! Of course you do. That's what everyone wants, my gold. Well, then. He went to the ring that had been used to trick him. He took it down off the fishing wire and pushed it out of the cage. Here you go, then. Fiona looked at it. But that's just my dad's ring. 
No, that's not your father's. It's mine. I found it, and now I'm giving it to you because it's all the gold I have. So help yourself. But first, show me how to get out of this blasted thing. Larry went to the cage and tried prying one of the slats loose. It was as solid as could be. He wanted to be on his way. He'd had enough of this country, and it wasn't because of the spread of these insidious devices, the traps. The thing that really annoyed him was the lucky, charm-looking leprechauns plastered all over the place. Green jackets and loud orange beards, please. Larry didn't even have a beard, not anymore anyway, and his coat was a dark red, and that hat, it was awful. He hadn't worn anything like that in years. He hated the whole outfit. It looked like a pilgrim covered in pea soup. The shoes were the only thing they got right. Larry took pride in his shoes. Making them had been his profession for years, till the Industrial Revolution put him out of work. That's when he started traveling. Now all he wanted to do was go home, back to the old sod, as it were. He'd packed his bag and made his way from the west coast to the east, mainly traveling on the back of wild rabbits, and occasionally by prairie dogs. He wanted to be gone before March, but he'd been delayed in New Mexico, trying to learn as much as he could about the flying saucers spotted there. Saucer people weren't a bad lot. They'd even offered him a ride, but he didn't like flying. He tried it once on the back of a falcon and found it didn't suit him. That's the reason he came to Rhode Island on his least favorite day of the year. He needed a boat. Larry glanced at Fiona. She was reaching for the ring. He pulled it back with the fishing wire. You said this was your father's ring. Larry slipped it out of his arm, dropping it so it fit tightly around his shoulder. I borrowed it, Fiona said. Without permission, I assume. She glanced back at her house. They were in her family's backyard, about halfway down the parade route. It wasn't a very big yard, but it was decorated, covered in green and ready for a party. He watched Fiona's eyes, seeing how nervous she was. Oh, now that is a bit of a problem, isn't it? You said you'd give it to me. I caught you, remember? I did, didn't I? Tell me, how much trouble would you be in if I disappeared this very moment with the ring in me hand, if I just went poof? You can't do that or you would have already. Are you sure about that? Larry gave her a little wink. Well, then go ahead. Do it. She crossed her arms, waiting. They stared at each other for a moment, neither of them blinking. Then Larry pointed at the house. Is that your dad? He looks really angry. Fiona turned, and Larry dove for the largest opening in the cage, trying to squeeze between the slats. Blast it, silly thing, let me out! He grunted when his shoulders got stuck. Knock it off! Fiona gave him a little tap on the head and pushed him back into the cage. Don't you touch me! Larry fell back, gnashing his teeth. Uh. When he calmed down, Fiona picked up his hat and pushed it back into the trap. Here, you drop this. The flat cap was roughly the size of an acorn top. Larry grabbed it punched the inside, and pulled it down hard on his head. It seems we're at an impasse. See, the only gold I've got is your father's, which I think you're going to want back more than you could ever want the pot I had when I was a young leprechaun. So you do have a pot of gold? Larry rolled his eyes. Not anymore. I lost it in Vegas. Actually, the people who built Vegas took it, but that's another story. What we need to talk about is what you're willing to do to get this ring back. The girl scrunched up her face. It was dawning on her that she might not get anything from this encounter. Just a story no one would believe. I guess I'll let you go, right? You give me the ring and I let you go free. Larry thought about everything he'd gone through to get here. It had been quite a trip across the country, 
and the last part in Newport on St. Patrick's Day had been the roughest, crossing the bridge at dawn and running through the old graveyard just as the ghosts were going to sleep. He hated ghosts. That's why he didn't mess around at night. There were too many spirits and other nasty creatures about. The ghost pirates were the worst. They'd been hung here 300 years ago, but they still came out looking for trouble. He had to be careful in the daylight, too. Human adults may not be able to see him, but that didn't mean they couldn't step on him. Early mornings, when magic is the strongest, was the safest time for Larry, usually. But of course, the problem with the parade day was that people started setting up before the day had even started. On St. Patrick's Day in Newport, the bars were already open. He had been cutting through backyards and bushes to avoid the crowds when he saw the ring. It was silly to go after it, but it was hard for a leprechaun to say no to real gold. He'd sensed it the moment he entered the yard. He'd fallen into this trap like a giant bug, which is exactly what a lobster is, a nasty sea bug. It was enough to make Larry's cheeks turn red. But he wasn't going to let this girl get the best of him. He was the one that did the tricking. I don't know if my freedom is enough to pay me back for the trouble you've put me through. What? Fiona asked. I'm saying that you owe me a bit more than just my freedom. He held the ring up and started to squeeze. By the way, did you know that leprechauns can shape gold into almost anything? That's why we like it so much. Maybe I should turn your father's into a nice long needle. Something to sew with. Do you think he'd like that? No, stop, please. Fiona pleaded, reaching into the trap. So you agree you owe me a bit more? You're not a very nice leprechaun, are you? Fiona said. He smiled. No, but I'm not the worst either. So what do you want? Larry had come to Newport to get a boat. Of course it couldn't be just any boat. He was barely eight inches tall. The larger vessels docked in the harbor wouldn't do. However, he knew of a place that with a bit of luck might just fit the bill. It was a school for building and restoring yachts. He was close, but with the parade setting up on Thames Street, it became become tough to travel. I need a ride, and I'm not even going that far. You know that place down the road that builds boats? Yeah, my dad works there. That's perfect. Can you get his keys? What? Why? Because you're going to give me a ride. Perhaps in your pocket. Then you're letting me in. Again, why? You got too many questions, girl. Just get the keys. Get me in there and I'll give you your father's ring back. It's a fair deal. Fiona stared at him, regretting every moment that led to her meeting Larry. She never thought her trap would work, but she figured it'd be fun. How wrong she was. Fine, she said, dropping her shoulders. Don't you try and escape, though. She went up the back stairs, never taking her eyes off the lobster trap. Her father's keys were hanging just inside the door. All right, now, get me out of here and put me in your pocket, Larry said when she came back down the steps. No way. As soon as I open that thing, you're going to run off with my dad's ring. No, I won't. I promise. Larry bowed down and held his hat over his heart. I don't believe you. So what are you going to do? Drag a lobster trap down the street? Fiona looked at the problem. The trap was large and heavy and would be hard to move. She looked at her father's shed as an idea occurred to her. A few moments later, she was going down the street, toward the water, pushing a wheelbarrow with a lobster trap and an outraged leprechaun in it. Larry was mumbling to himself while he ducked down in the corner to stay out of sight. People on the parade route smiled at Fiona. Some were curious what she was doing, but luckily she lived in New England, where people know how to mind their business. It was a short walk to the boatyard. She opened the fence with her father's keys and closed it behind her. Now what? She said. 
Larry climbed up and looked around. There were a number of boats available. Beetle cats and cat boats, day sailors and yachts. But they were all too big. He looked toward the main building. What's in there? He asked. That's just the office. Perfect. Take me in there, please, he said. When Fiona didn't move, he waved his hand. Come on now, hurry up. You've got to tell me what you're looking for. He didn't want to say, but he was fairly certain she wasn't going to help him otherwise. I need a boat. I want to go home. Home? Fiona asked. There was only one place she could think of that a leprechaun would call home. To Ireland? Yes, I plan to sail there, Larry said. That's crazy. Do you know how far that is? Fiona put the wheelbarrow down. Of course I know. I came here. He crossed his arms. They stared at each other for a long moment. Finally, Larry added, Look, I'm old and I'm weird, and I want to do this. I just want to go home. Please, can you help me? Fiona started to walk away, going towards the office door. She knew exactly what Larry was looking for. She put her eyes to the office window. Sitting there, in a little display, was a model wooden boat. It was just the right size for a leprechaun. Were you planning to steal it? Of course, that had been Larry's plan. But he could see in Fiona's eyes that she didn't approve. He looked down at his jacket. At one time, he had three gold buttons. Now he was down to just one. He pulled at it till the string came loose. Here, it's gold. It's not much, but it should cover the cost of the boat. Fiona put her key in the lock and opened the door. When she came back, it was with the model in hand. It was a foot and a half long with a single sail, an exact replica of a cat boat. One of those sturdy little craft that were used for coastal fishing a hundred years ago. She came over to the trap and held out her hand. My father's ring, she said. Larry took it off his shoulder and pushed it out of the trap. Fiona dropped it in her pocket. And the button, she asked. Larry gave her that too. She went to the end of the trap and untied the knot that had been keeping the door closed. She put her hand down and Larry climbed onto it. Then the two of them walked down to the docks where Fiona sat and placed the boat in the water. Usually, little boats aren't made as well as real boats, but this one had come from a place where they took pride in getting every detail right. All the lines and sails were smaller, workable versions of the real ones. Larry climbed down into it. Would you be kind enough to give me a little push? He asked. Sure, Fiona said. Her hand touched the back of the boat, gently pushing it away as Larry raised the sail. She watched and felt a little tug from her pocket. She had to be quick to grab her father's ring. It was trying to escape, or more precisely, it was being tugged by the fishing wire that was still attached to it. Oh, no, you don't. Fiona said as she closed her hand on it. She stared at Larry, who shrugged before letting the line go. I had to try, he said with a little wink. Then he sailed off, heading for home, leaving America's St. Patrick's Day celebration behind. Hey guys, this is Anna. So if you've been listening to ill-advised stories for a while, you may know that this was the first story that started the podcast off, back when my dad had a terrible microphone, and when he read way too fast. So you can call this St. Larry's Day 2.0. It was released last March along with West Texas Aliens. You might realize, also, that last time it was me playing Fiona's part. I gave it to Riley for the new version, mainly because she whined at me but also because I'm going to be playing a big role in the adventures of Sparky and Spazoid, which will start at the end of the summer. It'll be a book you can buy and read along with while you listen to the podcast. My dad's going to be doing a bunch of illustrations for it, too. Back to St. Larry's Day. My dad is Irish-American, 
My mom says that's not a thing. He's just American, according to her. See, she was born in Germany. As my dad likes to say, he married an alien. So my mom doesn't always get how important heritage can be to people like him. Even now, he's writing this and resisting the urge to be very, well, teachy. There's a whole lot of lectures we've suffered through about the troubles in Ireland, the fight for acceptance here, firefighters, John F. Kennedy, my great aunt who worked for Kennedy's, and why the pirate in his book, The Curse of Purgatory Cove, is Irish. Anyway, whatever your culture is, I hope you take the time to learn about it and enjoy it like we do, even if it means we have to go to Mass on St. Patrick's Day. As always, the music was provided by Kevin McLeod. Thanks for listening. Good job. I want to get the snack on. You want to get the snack on? Ow! <laughs>